the Yak Legion Podcast, and the Buckeye Kayak Fishing Podcast are sponsored by the Buckeye Kayak Fishing Trail. You can reach them at BuckeyeKayakFishingTrail.com. Strictly Sail in Blue Ash, Ohio. Reach out to Brian for all your Hobie needs at 513-984-1907. And American Tackle Company. You can find them at americantackle.us. Howdy y'all, Zach Carell here, and this is the Yak Legion Podcast. And today we have A.J. McWhorter here, and you everybody knows him by now, I'm sure. The man, uh, the myth, the legend, uh, the guy behind the Hobie Bass Open Series. And uh, how's it going tonight, man? Oh, man, pretty good. I appreciate you having me on tonight. Oh, no problem. I've been wanting to have you on for a while. I know you've been busy, man. I know you're running a kayak trail, and uh, you've been on a lot of other podcasts. I'm sure a lot of people listening uh, have heard you on several other podcasts. So I think everybody about knows who you are by now. <laughs> well, maybe, man. You know, we just sometimes it's it's hard to know what our reach is. You know, there's, there's kayak anglers out there that, um, you know, still have no idea what opportunities are present for like being a competitive kayak angler whether it's you know their local grassroots clubs or whether it's you know fishing opportunities like the hobie bos or um you know even with what's coming with bassmaster now so you know the more opportunities we have to to get our voice out in front of you know kayak anglers or people that want to get into kayak angling is uh, is what it's all about to help this thing grow so Definitely appreciate what you're doing and trying to, uh, you know, just be a, a, a media and, a, and a resource for people out there looking to get into the sport and looking to grow as a, as a kayak angler. Oh, 100%, man. I'm no expert, man, but I started the podcast to, to learn, uh, mainly just me and my audience, you know, everybody listening. Um, you know, we all learn together, and I think that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing tool in this industry, and as tight-knit as the kayak community is, um, I think it's an awesome it's an awesome way to for us to come together and learn. But uh, let's get into the Hobie Bass Open Series, man. How, how did all that start? So it that's a, that's a loaded question, but <laughs> really, really, uh, it all kind of started from an event we used to run on Kentucky Lake called the Hobie Bass Open. Uh, and you know, we ran that for six years and it was just a, a tremendous gathering of anglers out there in Marshall County, Kentucky, North end of Kentucky Lake. And it, our last year of doing that standalone event, it was, you know, 126 anglers and like four or five youth uh, that participated in that. So it was an awesome event, but we, we just had so many anglers say like, Hey, you know, you should do something like this somewhere else too. Um, and, and then we had some opportunities to kind of bring in some events under our umbrella. And, you know, we kind of ad adopted a few events and, and, and just created a series and, and then just things kind of started rolling. And, uh, you know, we learned a lot in our first year and I think we really found out where our, our, you know, our, best niche offering to the competitive uh, landscape would be. And that's a, you know, a two day high competition, high payout, um, incredible experience for the anglers um, on a premier venue at a, at a really advantageous time of year. And, um, you know, going into year two, um, 
we're just really excited for for all of our great host communities. Uh, the anglers seem to be really excited out there. We've got some awesome, awesome fishing destinations at times that are really going to put the anglers in a position to catch some big, big limits and maybe some personal best, largemouths, shoal bass, spots, smallmouth, you name it. We're going to be visiting areas that allow anglers to have an incredible opportunity no matter what, um, you know, tournament days present themselves. You know, it's still all about having a great experience out there. And that's what we just aim to provide with our offering. And you provide, that's for sure. I fished the Gunnersville event. And I was kind of late to the game last year. And, man, I really felt like, trying to think of the words, I don't know, I felt legit. Because when I first showed up for the captain's meeting on Friday night, and I walked up to the building, and you had the banners outside, the Hobie Bass Open banners. And then you walk in, and you see the giant banner. And I've seen all year and all summer all these people competing in this competition stand in front of that banner with their prize. You know, I've seen Christine Fisher. I've seen, you know, Jody Queen in front of their – I mean, it just gave me dreams and aspirations. Like, I want to be that guy that's standing right there in front of that banner. And uh, you guys provided a meal. Um, man, it was just a top-notch experience. And it's definitely one of my fondest experiences from fishing last year. I mean, Gunnersville is an awesome lake, too. I mean, very, very big, very intimidating, especially for an Ohio boy like me, where I mainly fish the local trails around here. Fish Lake Erie a little bit. But, man, that, that was an incredible experience, man. And you guys really... Do put a lot of work into to making it feel legit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I spent time as a as a competitor, and I fished local stuff and some national stuff. And you know, I I came away feeling you know like there could be more. I mean, kayak anglers deserve an experience like you just described. And you know, I with that platform with the Hobie Bass Open on Kentucky Lake, you know, Hobie has run events internationally for eight years um freshwater saltwater the worlds i mean it's you know we have a rich history in running events that make anglers feel like they're a part of something special and make it about the experience and you know i i got to learn from some great guys at hobie that gave me the reins to this thing um and it's just been an opportunity for us all to grow together but but to really present this awesome opportunity for for kayak anglers to compete at, at, at is one of the highest levels that our sport has. Um, I know there's some, some, you know, events that are a little, um, a little more buy-in, but you know, as far as the overall experience and the payouts and what you're fishing for through the course of the season, I don't know if there's really another, um, you know, opportunity that, that really offers as much as the BOS does for 2020. Um, but you know, that's the thing is, you know, we, we learned a lot from year one, uh, we're really looking forward to, to improving our offering and, and improving the exposure and any experience that anglers are going to get when they roll into a community to, to participate in one of these events in 2020. Oh, 100%, man. And I know it's not just you running the show. I know you have helpers and there's several other guys behind the scenes there. Um, who are some of they? Uh, yeah, my, my biggest helper... Um, is uh, and if it wasn't for him, you know, we, we just couldn't pull this thing off. Is uh, Kevin Nakata? He works for Hobie 
out in California. And uh, we've both just kind of figured out how this thing needs to go in the, in the, in the moment. And he's, uh, he's been a huge asset um, to, to me and, and working with some of our sponsors. And um, he's a big part of our, uh, our outreach during tournaments and making sure uh, things electronically and media wise go properly. Um, and then we've also got kind of the guy that um, helps make sure everything runs smoothly on the, the higher end of that Morgan prominence out there um, in California as well. But, you know, this thing wouldn't be where it's at if it wasn't for guys like um, Cody Prather, who used to run the tournament of champions and uh, yak for it down in Texas. Um, he helps me a lot behind the scenes. And then also a, a great friend, um, and, and, and guy that used to be, um, really involved with the Hobie Bass Open, uh, is Keaton Oaf. Uh, those guys are, are kind of a part of the pioneers that, that got this thing to where it is right now. Um, so, and I kind of am the guy that, that is out there in front of everybody, but, uh, definitely, definitely couldn't make it happen without, um, all of those people. And then we've got a, a kind of a secretive panel of, random directors and anglers from all over the country that I run things by and, um, you know, really coordinate with them to try to get their opinion on, on our formats and rules and things like that before we publish it. So just a big shout out to all those people for, uh, you know, really being instrumental in, in helping us get to where we are right now. Oh, hundred percent. Now I know you mentioned earlier that, you, your first year running the Hobie Bass Open was a learning experience. So going into year two, what are some things that you learned from your first year, and how are you using that to improve the trail for year two that's coming up? Well, I think the biggest thing that we did is we kind of changed our format. I mean, we, we, we got rid of 11 events um, that we ran in year one, the, the single-day satellites. You know, I've, I know a lot of people were kind of sad to see those go um, they didn't, they just didn't really fit into what we were doing and what we could really offer the anglers. And we wanted to have a really specific offering that, um, you know, you could show up to any event and get the same experience. Um, and so we got rid of those. Um, we've added a point system, uh, so anglers can participate in an angler of the year race and also have a, a new way to get into, uh, the tournament of champions. So those are things that we've improved on and, um, definitely, uh, adjusting some of our, our, our dollar opportunities and we're going to pay out more money at each event, but we're also going to, um, you know, save money for the, the tournament of champions, uh, a little more each event there as well. Um, adjusting some rules, things needed to be fine tuned a little bit. And, um, then we're, you know, we're going to be using the, the tourney X platform, uh, for, for our second year, uh, to, to have a opportunity for our anglers to, um, use that system and our, our spectators uh, of the sport to enjoy those offerings as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Tourney X. And the only time I ever downloaded iAngler was to come down to fish to Hobie Bass Open. And I'm on the committee for the Buckeye Kayak Fishing Trail here in Ohio. And we've always used uh, Tourney X. And about every, actually every event I've ever fished, they've used Tourney X. And those guys that run that are just top notch. I mean, they're good at catching cheaters. They got a lot of good software to prevent that, prevent fraud. And you know, I hate to say it, but there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there is a 
cheaters out there. There's guys that want to try to win money and take advantage. And it just seems like I've been real impressed with how Tourney X handles cheaters. Yeah, um, I think, you know, Tourney X is, uh, there's a lot of similarities between those two platforms. And, you know, um, I think that, that they both have done a lot for our sport to get it where it's at. I mean, we've, we've found, um, you know, issues with people submitting fish on iAngler over the last, um, you know, five years that we've been using the app too. And it's a, it's a great platform. I think they both just have some different offerings and, um, you know, some things, but I think, um, allowing the turn the X to be used for, for this year will, will help anglers that are used to that system. And, uh, the viewers that are used to that system just to kind of find us and, and, and enjoy our offering a little bit more. Yeah, I Angler actually didn't give me any problems at all. And uh, usually Tourney X does, doesn't, but Tourney X isn't perfect. You know what I mean? I don't think anything's perfect. Um, you know, there's still problems and stuff. I still have a hard time loading fish in some tournaments. But I know we mentioned fraud. Um, have you guys had to deal with any cheaters or any fraud in the uh, your first year? Um, yeah, you know, I think there, a big part of that was just people not reading the rules beforehand. I don't think people were intentionally trying to take advantage of uh, the system. I think that it's just, you know, rule for one event might be different than a rule for another event. And if you just don't get in the habit of reading rules before you register – um, and, and often you should you should do that even further in advance. I mean, you know, we have a 21 day guide rule where you can't um, communicate or utilize a guide 21 days out. Well, if you're just registering for an event, you know, a week out, um, you know, you might not have been properly aware of that. And then also, you know, in year one, we we developed a no bass boat uh, rule within a week of the event and. You know, I think that's a new thing for the sport, um, and I think a lot of people just didn't know that, didn't understand that, or didn't, you know, read it. And so it, it, I don't think it was um, people trying to take advantage of that. I think it was just new rules for a new series and people just kind of getting um, kind of behind a little bit. But I can assure you that, um, you know, we, we're, we're going to try to do better about making sure that stuff's um, you know, more visible and, and ready for people to, you know, to follow the rules uh, better as well. Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm definitely excited. Um, before we go on the next subject, what, what event next year for the Hobie Bass Open you think you're looking forward to the most? That's a tough question. Um, Personally. <laughs> what, what lake are you looking forward to? So, uh, well, that's a low, that's a loaded question there. I mean, I'm I'm excited for the first one. Um, you know, the the Lake Seminole is going to be an awesome event. I've never personally been down to that lake, um, but it's the season opener, and there's just something about starting the season off. Um, I mean, any sport, anything that you follow, like the first game, has a level of excitement. You know, you build up so much in the off season to get ready for that very first one. So I'm ready for that one, but I think um, from a from a just as an angler perspective, I'm really excited to go up to uh, to Lake Erie um, in May. I think there's going to be just some tremendous smallmouth turned in. I'm a just a smallmouth addict, so I'm really excited about that. I know there's some amazing waters up there, and um, those anglers up there are super jacked up for us to be there that time of year. Um, but then to end the season, 
you know, maybe not so much for the, the fisheries, but I'm excited for the last event for the year. I mean, the, the fisheries are going to be great. They're going to provide our anglers a unique challenge. But what I'm excited about is how that last event is going to change the landscape of our season. You know, that's the last of, you know, this is our first year doing points. Um, so that event is the last opportunity for somebody to earn points. So after that event, you're going to see an entirely new top 20 in our, in our angler of the year race, because for some people that's going to be their last event of three, or they're going to be dropping an event, um, or, or, you know, getting passed by somebody that had a great finish. So I'm, I'm really excited about that because there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, angler of the year drama with that particular one. And yeah. I think those anglers in that particular part of the country are going to show out. Um, Gadsden's so excited. To, uh, Gadsden, Alabama is so excited to have us. Uh, it's their first time hosting a kayak tournament. They host huge bass boat tournaments all the time uh, there. And they are so pumped up to see kayaks on their waters. And I just think that area is, I think the anglers are going to show out and we're going to have a great tournament. But I think there's just going to be a tremendous amount of, uh, of drama uh, within our angler of the year system. And that excites me too. So, um, I, I'm out of nine events, I narrowed it down to three. Um, the first one, the last one and a smallmouth fishing in the middle. So, uh, you know, I, that's a, that's definitely a, a, uh, an answer to your question that, that wasn't narrowed down very well, but, uh, it's hard for me. I'm excited about all of them, man. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> Uh, that's a great answer, man. And uh, I think I'm going to come down and fish Seminole Lake. And I'm in the same boat as you. I've never been there before. I think I've been to Georgia one time, and that was for an Army graduation. And um, I'm kind of worried about the alligators, especially after Jody Queen told me about an alligator coming out of the water and attacking him. <laughs> well, I can promise you that, you know, we're – we kayak anglers that live in the South fish bodies of water with alligators all the time. Oh, um, <laughs> you know, I, I've heard Jody's story. Um, and I, I, am uh, glad he, he lived through that encounter, but, um, I've been in plenty of waters with alligators and I'll be really honest with you, man. Like February is, uh, probably not the time of year. There's going to be a ton of alligators out. Uh, I didn't figure, <laughs> you know, it, it could be nice. It could be real nice and they could all be wanting to get out and about. But I think that early in the season, uh, we're not going to have much to worry about when it comes to that. Um, but, you know, there's there's big kayak tournaments and, and boat tournaments and, and recreation fishing on some amazing waters that alligators also live in. And, uh, you know, I know us being from a little further north, it takes a little while to get used to that. Um, and sometimes they'll startle you. Um, but I think that... Uh, I think the more time you spend fishing some of those amazing fisheries down south, the uh, the less uh, scary that situation will be for you. I think they're interesting myself. I think it'd be cool to be fishing down there and see an alligator. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm an Ohio boy. You know, we we got big snapping turtles up here, but nothing like they do down south. And I'm excited to go down there and see it. I'm I'm, I'm real excited. Yeah, they got they got big everything down there, man. Um, but with all that, you've got a bigger growing season. You've got bigger bass. Uh, I think there's going to be some giant bass turned in in that event. Uh, I think it's you know it's I think we're going to have some good numbers in it too. I'm I'm really excited to get the season started, man. I, I I've worked really really hard. We're still working. We're trying to get all this information out. But it's uh once game day rolls around, uh, I can get back into to doing what we do and uh, you know giving the anglers an opportunity to really enjoy our structure. 
Oh, definitely, man. I'm looking forward to it. So concerning the alligators, though, what are the rules based around taking weapons of self-defense? And I'm talking pepper spray, knives, dynamite, shotgun. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we don't have any specific rules, but, I mean, that's something you'll need to look into, uh, you know, the local regulations on that. I mean, I, I, I know there are seasons and things like that, but, I mean, I, it's very common for anglers to have, protection devices um, on their kayak. Um, we, we encourage safety. If that's something an angler wants to have to, to be safe, that is uh, their prerogative. Um, but, you know, I don't know what the, the rules and regulations of, of anything with an alligator might, might be that time of year. <laughs> I'm just joking around, man. That's uh, I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, we'll take a commercial break here. When we get back, let's get uh, more information about who you are as an angler. We'll be right back. And here is a word from our sponsors. Venom Lures in Lancaster, Ohio. They're known for their great soft plastics and terminal tackle. They've been providing quality products from right here in Ohio since 1984. Mr. Dustin Carnes is the new owner and inventor of the DK rig. It's a weedless version of the Ned rig that's taken the fishing world by storm. You can check them out at VenomLures.com. Our next one is Strictly Sale. It's located on Kenwood Road in Blue Ash, Ohio. They sell Hobie, New Canoe, Phil Freeze, Three Waters, uh, Johnny Boats, and they've been providing high quality service to fishermen and watercraft enthusiasts since 1978. Reach out to Brian Tacey at 513-984-1907. Or you can check them out at strictlysaleinc.com. We have American Tackle, baby. The inventors of the microwave line guide system. Great company run by a great guy, Austin Todd. Definitely, definitely check them out. Their fishing rods are far superior. And then lastly, Fishing Real Fishing Company. They help make the logo of the Yak Legion. Great company. Check them out at realfishingco.com. And we are back. So, AJ, man, how'd you get into kayak fishing? What's the story? Oh, man. So, I got into kayak fishing really early, um, really early on. I I was in high school. I mean, it was probably 2003. Um, and I, I just, I was fishing, I was wading creeks and I got, you know, I got my first truck, a little Toyota T100. And I, I felt like I could go, go anywhere in that thing. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get off the banks and out, off of wading the creeks and, uh, you know, just went to my local sporting goods store and found a little sit inside kayak and, and just went. Um, and I, I couldn't figure out, you know, I was grew up fishing with my dad in a John boat and some friends, dads and their boats. And I, you know, I couldn't figure out why I was having trouble with kayak fishing at that age. So I went through a couple different boats and just, it didn't, didn't quite make sense to me. And I did it for a few years and sold those boats. And it wasn't until like, I don't know, maybe, I guess it's about 10 years ago now, um, that I, 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 you know, was doing some trips on, uh, you know, the new river in Virginia and, um, just wanted a way to get around better. Um, really just using it as a transportation to get out to a, a shoal that I wanted to stand on and fish, um, as opposed to waiting. And I did that for a couple of years and, 
you know, then a local community uh, shop down there in central Kentucky, uh, you know, started running some tournaments. And so we, we all got together a couple nights a month and one weekend a month and started fishing little tournaments. And um, it just all kind of came together there. I had a lot of success in some of those tournaments. And, but really, I just enjoyed the camaraderie of the group and the, the time with those people. And, you know, I ended up using some of those guys. We got together and created a club called the Bluegrass Yak Masters. Uh, that later became the bluegrass kayak anglers and you know we we ran that group in central kentucky for six years and just loved it loved who we brought into the sport loved seeing you know new bodies of water and being competitive on on lakes and, and rivers and creeks all over the the commonwealth of kentucky and it was just a lot of fun for me and you know, after a year of doing that i had an opportunity to to, to affiliate with hobie in a couple different ways and um, it's just really kind of taking this whole thing to another level. Um, and it just really started out as a, a passion for me to enjoy small waters. And, you know, the kayak was the vessel that allowed me to do that the best. And, you know, to circle back around, the reason why I struggle with some of these, um, you know, kayaks in my first, you know, my earlier years is because I just had trouble with a paddle. Um, it, it was a thing that like would get in the way of me fishing. You know, it's like I couldn't figure out how to control my boat and paddle uh, or and fish at the same time because you always had a paddle in it. And so, you know, that that was until I got into Hobie, I really didn't, you know, fall for fishing out of a kayak because that solved all of my all of my issues. I I was able to pedal um, and hold myself in current in small little rivers, which is what I fished for so long. Um, but never had to set my rod down. And so that, that was kind of the changing point for me and, and really got me out of just certain bodies of water and put me, um, you know, on lakes and, and bigger rivers and things because it allowed me to cover more water. It allowed me to, to spend more time fishing, which is really all I wanted a kayak for. I never wanted a kayak to, to paddle. I just wanted a kayak to fish. And so you're a fisherman first and a kayaker second, like most of us. I'm, I, I'm just a fisherman. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, that, you know, we all get, le- there's those labels, like you said, but I mean, ultimately all we're doing is using a platform to fish, um, you know, whether, and, and, and that's, you know, there's so many different distinguishing things about fishing. You know, are you a bank angler? Are you a live bait angler? Are you, you know, this, what kind of species do you like to fish for? I mean, there's all these different things, but at the end of the day, we're all just fishermen and we all just love the water and we love to, to be out there. I mean, some people, um, you know, release everything they catch and some people catch their limit and take it home and feed their family. At the end of the day, we're all out there doing what we love and we might do it differently, but it's all about the love of the water and the love of the sport. And, uh, you know, I think there's too much divisiveness, but at the end of the day, we're all just anglers. You know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. And I know what you mean about the paddling thing. My first three years of kayaking, kayak fishing i had a a perception striker and i paddled that thing everywhere and i had a hard time maintaining my position and man i got into a hobie this last february oh man the hobie pa12 i fell in love with that boat and uh, i'm my biggest sponsor for the podcast is strictly sailing kayak in um, blue ash ohio and they're the big hobie dealer in cincinnati and, uh, man, I've become good friends with the Tasty family, and uh, they've really done me well. 
And uh, I've been really impressed with Hobie. So I'm a Hobie fan 100%. <laughs> I love pedaling, man. It's it's just a game changer, especially when you, you don't have to worry about having your hand on the paddle. You know, you just pedal along, casting. You can work the bank. Man, it's a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and those guys over there at uh, Strictly Sail and Kayak, they'll take good care of anybody that wants to get out there and uh, – and see them there i'm very good friends with their family as well it's a it's family owned and run business and uh they they share the same passion we all do with uh getting people out on the water and uh you know that's a great supporter of this this fishing community um so happy to hear they're they're supporting on what you're doing and in, in, in your podcast ventures oh 100 man i support them <laughs> so uh you've been bass fishing for a long time I got a question for you. I know you yeah, fish man. all over the country. What are three baits that you bring no matter where you're going in the country? If you're fishing Lake Erie or if you're fishing down the swamps of uh, Louisiana or Florida, what's three baits you think that you take on about every trip? Man, I, you know, I'm not good at consolidating my gear. Um, I'm, I'm, I do go a little over the top, uh, when it comes to gear, but, uh, you know, tried and true is a, is a worm for me. I, I, I always have a worm tied on. I prefer a Cinco. I think the Cinco is one of the most versatile baits, um, soft plastic baits out there. Um, I fished a Cinco weightless two different ways. I fished it, uh, you know, on a drop shot. I fished it on a shaky head. I fished it on a Carolina. I mean, I, if you, I fished it on the back of a jig if you can imagine a way to fish a Cinco, I have done it and caught fish on it. There's times where I've been on St. Clair or, or Erie, and I've had Cinco's rigged up on four different rods, four different ways. Um, so Cinco is always on. That is one of my go-to ways of catching fish. Um, another one's a jig. Um, you know, I, I like to be slow and methodical the way I work baits. And, you know, a jig works anywhere in um, the country, um, jigs can represent a lot of different things, but I like a, a jig with a craw trailer. Um, you know, so you can, you can drag it, you can swim it, you can skip it. Um, you know, it's a really versatile bait. You can throw it in the middle of the stuff. And, and if you have a good guard on it, you'll be able to bring it back. And a lot of times jigs can be a, um, a big fish bite. So if you need, um, you know, that one fish to fill out a good limit or you're trying to make a cull, um, or, you know, you're, you're just looking for a big bite on a, on a trophy lake. Um, you know, a jig can often be, um, be that bait. Um, and then in the last few years, the, the jackhammer, um, has been a, a huge bait for me. It's a great way to cover water. Um, it's great around grass, but also around cover. Um, it's just really versatile, man. You can fish that a whole lot of different ways. I don't really like to chuck and wind, um, but I, I feel like that bait um, just produces uh, really well. I've cast some checks on it over the last few years, and it's a it's a great bait. But I'm I'm a I'm a plastics guy. Uh, I would say probably 80% of the time. Um, so I'm I'm throwing some sort of, of creature or or something Texas rigged as well. So um, sometimes that's a cinco. Back to the first one. But I I'm a, I'm a I'm a soft bait, drag it around kind of guy. I like to like to feel things out. I like to to entice that bite, um, and that's that's really what I I do most of the time, no matter where I'm fishing. 
Oh, wow. Good answer, man. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I'm a soft plastics man myself. I love tubes. I've got a lot of bass on tubes and Senkos. What's your biggest bass? Um, so, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll play to the audience. We're we'll talk inches in this thing, but, uh, <laughs> you know, my, uh, my, my longest bass was 23 and a half inches, uh, large mouth. I caught it out of a, sm you know, smaller river in Georgia. I was actually pre-fishing for a, for an event down there and, uh, got really surprised. I caught that on a, on a jig, um, a BC lures jig. I think they still sell those at strictly sale, but, uh, had a jig on there and a little um, craw trailer on the back. Um, and then my biggest smallmouth came out of the new river. Um, and that was 22 and three quarter inches long. And I also caught that on a BC lures jig with a craw trailer. So, you know, back to that big fish bait, um, you know, the, those jigs, those BC lures, they're, they're made out of a, a guy named Ted Grigsby down in Kentucky. And uh, they're available strictly sale normally and, and bait stores all around Kentucky. And, um, they're made in the, his home and, um, you know, he, they're just, they're just awesome baits. They have the right colors. They have a variety of different shaped heads and, and, uh, they, uh, they just get the job done for me, man. I mean, I know there's a lot more fancier jigs out there, but those can come through any, anything I need them to. And, uh, they've, they've really got the job done for me over the, over the course of many, many years of using that product. Oh, Wow. Um, that's awesome. So another part of my podcast I usually do with all my guests is I do a fishing scenario game. Basically, I'll give you three fishing scenarios. The third one tends to be a little goofy. Um, and you could just do your best to figure out how, uh, or explain how you'd fish these scenarios. Does that sound good to you? Oh yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll put, get me excited for fishing. Oh yeah, man. So you said you're from Kentucky, you fish central Kentucky. So let's talk about cave run. Oh. So you're at cave run and it's April. All right. Um, let's say it's a mid April and it's cold. You start out in the morning and it's uh, 30 degrees, but it's supposed to heat up during the day, get up into the fifties, maybe pop into the sixties. And, uh, it's been raining for days. The water levels up several feet and the water is muddy so how would you go about fishing that scenario man do i can i go to a different lake or do i have to stay there <laughs> say you plan to trip to cave run all right, all right no 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 so all right i'll play i'll play um you know i i have actually had the opportunity to fish cave run a lot in the spring when it's flooded and uh depending on how flooded it is um, really plays into one of my favorite patterns I've ever gotten into. You know, the fish in the spring, they're looking to move up. Um, you know, obviously, it's going to, you said it's a little bit colder. So, you know, they're going to be holding off a little bit. But when that water's coming up, those fish are going to move up with it. So, you know, I've found myself at Cave Run getting into areas, um, you know, the campgrounds, they get flooded. Um, and, and I'll get in there. My favorite pattern I've ever found on Cave Run was the, the, uh, the, the campground pattern that I was fishing, uh, light poles and, uh, fire pits. Um, and those fish were getting into those areas and, uh, you know, they were feeding, they were looking to make, make a nest, you know, that time of year, um, they were, they were getting new food opportunities. So that's why they kept coming up. But if it's just come up three or four foot, not 20 to 25, like it did that one year, um, you know, I'm going to be, um, 
kind of move them in the backs of some of the, the larger creeks and tributaries. I'm going to be focusing on, you know, your secondary points and some, maybe some of those, um, you know, bluff wall opportunities that, that are in some of those channel swings on cave run. Um, I'm going to be looking for those fish that are, that are just waiting, um, to move up. Now the morning is going to be tough. I'm going to be probably focused in on the afternoon when the sun gets up, warms up a little bit. Those fish are going to move up, uh, to feed a little bit uh, and they're going to you know move up to continue trying to get to where they're going to be doing their, their thing moving right into spawn. So, um, you know, crankbait might work out that time of year with the muddy water. Uh, spinner baits are phenomenal in the spring. Back to a, a jackhammer chatterbait. Um, but but if it's got some stain to it, I'm going to be getting shallow, getting getting you know kind of close to some some cover, um, and making making sure um, that I'm I'm you know moving moving around a lot with moving baits that move a lot of water and just trying to pick up some bites. But you know that that lake, I mean, you know. That time of year going to be tough, but but you know it's still right in the middle of you know, good musky fishing, um, you know. So you might pick up a musky doing that as well. Um, but it's a uh, man, not that that does not sound like a fun fishing trip. <laughs> Cave Run is a beautiful lake, and it's it can be really good in certain times of year. But uh, man, that that just does not sound like an ideal scenario. <laughs> yeah, I usually get some tough ones. <laughs> That's a good answer, though, man. Great. Uh, so, scenario number two, I'll be a little easier on you. Say you're fishing late St. Saint Clair. Um, it's summertime. It's it's in the beginning of summer, so it's June, maybe the 5th of June. Uh, we're getting some hot days, but still the nights are kind of cool still, but they're starting to warm up. Um, you can launch anywhere on the lake. Uh, the water is crystal clear. How do you go about fishing it? So that time of year, I mean, I spent a lot of time up there that time of year. Those fish are going to be, um, you know, kind of spawn, post-spawn, depending on what the, the conditions have been in the weeks prior and the moon phase. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to be looking to some of those flats um, pretty close to shore. It's a good time of year for a kayak angler to get out there on St. Clair because you really don't have to venture too far off, um, you know, from the launches. So, you know, you can definitely get into the Metro Park area or maybe a little further north and, and still find fish on beds. If they're not on the beds, you can move out to the first, you know, area of, of grass. Um, you know, jackhammers, little swim baits are good. I like um, when it's real tough, just getting a weightless Cinco or a, a lightly weighted tube, um, getting it into that grass. And those, you know, you'll feel your bait kind of hit that grass and you're drifting through and then all of a sudden, It'll just load up, and uh, it's a really fun way of fish. Early June's an awesome time of year to get out on that particular body of water. Um, but you'll still, I mean, there's going to be fish on beds in places. There's going to be fish post-spawn that are feeding hard. Um, you can catch them just about any possible way that time of year. Uh, so it's a really, really fun time of year to fish that lake. Um, so, you know, that's what I like to do. I like to get into those areas where there's definitely some thick grass, close to some some areas where you, they're going to spawn um and you can kind of go back and forth between you know what the fish are doing and that time of year you know those the things can happen and change overnight uh wind can change um blow a bunch of bunch of debris into a you know a certain uh um, body if you hold on. um and you know it gives you an opportunity to uh 
you know, really have to adjust, but also you can really maximize your opportunities um, when the fish are moved in there and, and you can just get after them that time of year. But a, a tube, a Cinco, spinnerbait, jerkbait, uh, all those things can play. Depend, how do you want to catch them? Go up to St. Clair in early June and you can make it happen. Oh, man. You know, that's one of my bucket list lakes. I've never been up there, and it's only four hours from me. I know what's wrong with me. But I definitely need to go fish St. Clair. I've seen some big smallmouth out of there. And I've actually seen you and Christine and your whole gang up there when you guys fishing the Hobie Bass Open this past year. Man, you guys pulled some monsters out of St. Clair. Yeah, there were some giants caught up there. And, you know, even that's a little late, um, you know. And so you know, you get up there a little earlier and those fish are just thick, man. They're so thick. And, uh, you know, you, you've just got to get up there, man. Anybody does. It's a, it's a bucket list fishery. There's a lot of amazing things up there. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really not that far of a drive. I mean, you could leave, you could leave, uh, Cincinnati area at like, you know, five in the morning and you'd be fishing by nine and get a full day in and be, you know, be back. Uh, it's a, it's worth it. I mean, it is absolutely worth it. Um, you know, it sometimes it takes a little while to get it dialed in. Um, but it's, uh, it's one of those places that I'll go every year, um, because it, it satisfies some fishing needs for me that no other place in the country can. Wow. Wow. I'm excited, man. So last one, last fishing scenario. So this is a little goofy. So say you get picked up right now and you get dropped smack dab in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness. There's lakes, there's grizzly bears. Let's make it interesting. It's peak grizzly bear season. Like they're mating right now. Uh, you get to take one rod and reel, one backpack full of gear, and one weapon of your choice. What are you bringing? <laughs> Man, I'm a, I'm a city boy from Lexington, Kentucky. I don't <laughs> even know what to start there, man. Um, I, I don't know, man. That is... I haven't watched enough uh, uh, Alaskan Frontier on TV to even know, but uh, I would I would imagine um, I need three things. What else? What do I need? I need a fishing rod, protection. Yeah, what rod? Work. You bring one rod and reel, uh, a backpack full of gear, and uh, one weapon. Defend yourself against bears and such. Oh, I, I don't even I don't even know, um, but. You know, I think that, uh, you know, rod and reel wise, I mean, I, I would, you know, if I could pick, I would get like a little, you know, travel series, G Loomis, three piece. Um, they've, they've got some amazing rods, uh, be able to stuff it in my backpack. I, I do a little fly fishing from time to time, but, you know, I'd want something a little more uh, versatile for me up there. So I'd, I'd be a, uh, you know, probably a seven foot rod, medium to medium light. Um, so I could cast some smaller lures as needed and, uh, have a Shimano Stratic on that thing. Um, but they, they have a great travel series and it gives you ability to pack it into a pack. Um, so I'd, I'd do that as far as a weapon of choice, man, I, I think I would just be pretty much screwed. I, I don't know. Um, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever gun I would need um you know would work Take down grizzly bear <laughs> right yeah that's i'll just walk into a local uh you know gun store and ask them what what their best bear gun is and go with that um and and uh ho hopefully I'd, I'd i'd be good to go for a little while you're yeah, sitting here that's good you're answer, here, man. You're, you're you're scared of alligators and you're dropping me off in alaska during bear mating season man what's now i'm gonna have <laughs> nightmares tonight <laughs> 
I think it'd be cool with the band of salmon fishing up there. Say you could take a salmon gear. I seen that episode of River Monsters. Jeremy Wade actually had to cut his line uh, fighting a grizzly bear over his fish. And I think I would just give the fish to the grizzly bear. I'm not going to fight a bear over a fish. That's for sure. That's awesome, man. Good answer. Um, So another question I ask all my guests. And um, that's an interesting one. What, let me try to think of what your word is. What is your favorite fishing story? And it could be something tragic. It could be something funny. It could be something serious. Like what's one fishing story over your many years of kayak fishing that comes to really comes to mind. Hmm. Wow, man. Uh, no one's really ever asked me that before. I just got, I've been blessed to have so many different opportunities with friends and, and family and things like that. So I, I got to take a second to think about it. I mean, you, you know, the kayak? Um, it's been a minute um, since I've done that. Those don't necessarily fall into my favorite stories, but, oh, gotcha. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I've, I've flipped a canoe or two and, uh, Actually, I flipped one canoe in, in two times on one trip, um, and then um, a borrowed uh, kayak way before I was really into this thing. I, I flipped that as well. Um, never never flipped a Hobie. Um, I know it can happen if you put yourself in the wrong position, but I think a big part of that is just me learning so much over the years and making sure I am you know, putting putting my body and myself in the, the right positions to stay in the boat. But, you know, as far as favorite goes, I mean, I've got some, you know, some good stories, but, you know, I, I think one of those stories, you know, we inherited a boat. My dad inherited a boat from a, uh, my great uncle and, and it was a little bay boat, uh, you know, not really designed for central Kentucky, but it was center console, a uh, little Carolina skiff. And we were, we were on a, the Kentucky river and we were just, we we're just testing the boat, but we went up in this Creek and I had little, little Creek gear with me. And, um, we were just throwing little plastic, textured plastics at brush. And man, I got thumped right on this brush pile. And I was like, dang, what, you know, what was that? And I, and I, and I threw this thing back in there and I, but I missed, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have a good cast. And so I started reeling my bait back real quickly. And right when I, the bait comes up, you know, right before you pull it out of the water and you can see it, I look down and there's a, a muskie that had followed it to the boat. And I, and I didn't know what a muskie really was. I mean, I'd heard about them, but I'd never seen one at that time. And, you know, so I like pause. As soon as I pause, this fish just flares out and engulfs this four inch zoom lizard on six pound line. And, oh, you know, he, he engulfs it. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I know what to do next. And I set the hook and it was over just like that snap. So, you know, that's not really the story. The story is like after that, you know, I I was like, man, like I want to catch that fish. Like that fish dominated me, um, you know. And so I, I, I didn't – I started telling some friends and we went out there. We took our heaviest gear that we had. And, you know, very first time it was actually Jay Wallen. Um, Jay Wallen and I were out in his uh, – he had a, a, a Norris craft that, that he was fishing out of back then. And, um, you know, an old boat that him and his dad grew up fishing in. And we were out there, we went back and started targeting them. We had, 
you know, a net that was almost big enough and we had gear that was like heavy bass gear. We had, you know, leaders. We, we thought we knew what we were doing, but we were so far away. But, you know, we got into that creek and we went in it all the way in it and almost all the way out of it and nothing happened. And, um, got to the very mouth of this creek and I chucked this big one ounce grim reaper spinner bait. And I was actually throwing it on a medium heavy spinning rod. Uh, like I said, heavy bass gear that I had. And, uh, you know, I like three cranks in, man, I get absolutely hammered, set the hook and like this muskie just comes out of the water. And I'm not saying it was a giant fish like in musky terms, but for me, it was a big fish. It was the biggest fish I'd ever caught in my life at that point. It was like a 39 incher. Um, and, and this thing was jumping around in this small area and it was just, to me, it was just so rewarding and, and it, it was an awesome fish to catch you there with one of your best friends. It started on a kind of sentimental trip with your dad. And, um, you know, that actually started a three and a half year like journey for me to try to like target muskie, which did not really end successfully for me. And I don't have a huge passion for them, um, anymore, but, um, that was one of, one of my favorite trips because it, it led into something bigger. And, and I think that's kind of what, what happens for me is I get these moments or these places or these experiences that makes me want to do more kind of down that direction. But that, that was a, that was one of my favorite, um, fishing stories, uh, you know, kind of, kind of brings in my, my dad and, um, uh, you know, just that whole, whole thing. But, um, you know, I've got some amazing trips on the new river and kayaks, um, caught my personal best new river smallmouth um on a float one day and then two years to the day i caught that 22 and three quarter incher which was my next personal best um you know and doing that on a camping fishing trip with all of your friends um so there's there's a lot of a lot of fun stories um like that but man you know put me on the spot i, I just don't have i don't have anything else um uh, anything else for you on that the fishing story right oh, now that's good man that's good yeah yeah i always love hearing people's fishing stories especially because it seems like every fisherman has a particular story at least mo- a lot of them do have a particular story story that comes to mind when somebody asks that question yeah to i'm gonna i'm gonna need to think about that more uh, you know I, I so many times i've been on these um podcasts and stuff because people want to talk about you know me as a tournament director and things like that. And so I really don't have a chance to share, um, too many of my fishing stories or my, you know, knowledge or, or anything like that. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, I, I've been fishing and worked in the fishing industry since I was 18. So like, you know, there's, I've just had the, you know, a lot of things happen in the last, uh, you know, 14, almost 15 years, uh, fishing related. And, and so, um, you know, it's, uh, it's funny that now I get a chance to, to talk about it all, but it's from a perspective of a tournament director and not an angler or a, uh, or a, you know, professional in the, the industry. Um, so, you know, I, I'll have to think about my, my, my fishing story, but you know, maybe by the next time we talk, uh, maybe I'll have a new one. So, so, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Uh, speaking of, uh, yourself, I know that you're uh, engaged. Is that correct? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Awesome. When do you plan to get married? 
Man, we we are just um, it's our lifestyle and, and life right now is so incredibly busy that um, we just I haven't had so. a haven't had a chance to to, to breathe and plan and um, you know we we've had these thoughts and ideas and wanted to do this stuff but it just you know our our schedule just has been um, you know really demanding and and you know hopefully um, sometime it'll it'll slow down a little bit and allow us a chance to kind of uh, to play that out a little bit, but, uh, we're just enjoying being engaged right now and, um, enjoying spending time together on and off the water. So where do you want to see yourself in five years? Oh man, that is, uh, that is a really tough question. I, you know, so much changes quickly in, in this industry as I've learned. And, you know, sometimes you think you're going down one direction and then you get an opportunity in another um, you know, I would love, absolutely. Um, you know, I've been working as a, as a independent sales rep for Hobie cat for the last going on eight years. Um, I would love to, uh, find an opportunity to be the, the primary rep of a territory, um, and, and, and do that. So hopefully that happens in the next five years. I would love to see the Hobie Bass open series, um, continue to grow and, and, um, more opportunities provided with that, not just for me, but for the anglers. That's the most important thing with that series is that the anglers keep having an opportunity to grow and make more money and get more exposure. Um, but with all that, you know, and those two things are going to keep me very busy. I'd love to find an opportunity to, to find a place, get it, get settled down. you know, right now I live full time on the road. I don't have a, a really a home base. So I'd love to, to find one that, uh, you know, allows me a place to kind of find that, um, you know, needed rest, some storage area, some, some place that I can just go and have, uh, have some me time and, um, you know, just kind of plant some roots and kind of grow into that. So, so hopefully the next five years I'll be able to kind of grow in those other two aspects and then finally figure out where home's going to be and, um, get into there as well. Man, I wish the best for you, man. I got a lot of respect for you. I've been following you the past year or so, and uh, you and Christine both are just top-notch anglers, and you do a lot for the fishing community and the kayak fishing community, man. And thank you so much for doing all that. Oh man, well, we really yeah. appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, man. It's uh, you know, it's an opportunity for us to give back and and to to grow, and uh, you know, it's a uh, there's there it's a, it's a, it can be a little bit of a tough road at times, but uh, you know we get so much support from this this industry and um, you know people believe in what we're doing and it's a uh, it's an amazing um, group of people and, and a family and uh, we're all we're all happy to be a part of it. Awesome man! So before I end this tonight, uh, you got any sponsors? Any shout outs you want to give? Um, uh, man, nothing like that. I do just want to thank everybody for listening and. Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, supporting your podcast, supporting, uh, the, you know, what I'm doing with the Hobie Bass Open Series. Um, appreciate Hobie giving, uh, um, you know, investing in this opportunity and me and for the anglers. Um, so Ho- Hobie's, Hobie's kind of where it's at for me. You know, they're, they're, they're a huge, you know, it's my full-time job is, is representing them to, to the retailers in the Southeast and my part-time job is running the Bass Open Series. And I'm, I'm all in with them. I think they're a tremendous company um, that provide an incredible product to help people enjoy the water 
um, in, in one of the best ways possible. So um, big shout out to Hobie for allowing, uh, you know, this whole thing to kind of come together and believing in me. Uh, but other than that, man, just thank you for the time and, uh, you know, your efforts. I mean, you're, you're spending your time, you know, doing this, talking about this stuff. And hopefully there's some people out there listening that, uh, you know, gain some knowledge and growth from this whole thing. And, uh, um, you know, want to see us out there at the Hobie Bass Open Series or, uh, you know, go to their local retailer to demo a Hobie one day. Oh, 100%, man. Go with Hobie, everybody. <laughs> There's a lot of other great kayak brands, and um, Hobie's just been real good to me, and that's what I've been comfortable with. And I'm real impressed with their company and the people that represent their company, man. And uh, thanks again for coming on, buddy. I really do appreciate it, man. And I, I hope to see you here in February, and uh, I'll definitely be seeing you out there on the water during the Hobie Bass Open Series this year, man. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, have a good night. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast for a short announcement. Hey, everybody. I appreciate you listening to the Yak Legion podcast. Lots more to come in 2020. We're going to take a short break through the holiday season. Uh, We'll be back at the beginning of the year, and I can't wait to see you guys again. Have you all Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Spend some time with your family. Hope Santa Claus brings you all new rod and reel, all the soft plastics, hard plastics, your little heart's desire. Lots to look forward to next year as we start on season two of the Yak Legion podcast. <laughs>